Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, get into character motivations. I'm Russ Capasso and joining me as always, Tim Letney. Tim, what's your, what's your motivation this morning? My motivation is to, to not let you down with how little research I've done about this topic. Oh, man. <laughs> the, you know, we're getting into goals and motivation here. And the goal was I wanted you to, to come prepared for this. <laughs> I mean, I'm prepared with my own stories and with you know, my <laughs> personal characters that needed some refinement with their motivations. You know, that's which you're kind of in the middle of doing right now, right? Yes, I'm in the middle of kind of cleaning them up. Yeah. So no, I think this will be this. I'm excited about this one because I'm getting back into working on next book and starting all over. And this is where you begin. Well, do we want to motivation and goals? I mean, uh, I guess it's just motivations we're talking about, but kind of separation because I think a lot of times motivation and goals kind of get intermingled. Yeah. What's the what's the difference between the two? Uh, I think really, I mean, to boil it down, to keep it real simple, I mean, the motivation is like the why something, why someone's doing something and the goal is what they actually want, right? So like an example would be like a uh, protagonist is, he wants to solve a murder. That's his goal, right? But his motivation might be, you know, why is it important to him? Maybe it's because mm. he wants to make a name for himself or, you know, it's a revenge or justice or something like that. Right. So that's like the that's a real dirty, simple uh, definitions. Uh, for so it. if it was John Wick, his oh goal would be to kill everyone, <laughs> to kill everyone. And his yeah. and his motivation would be because they killed his puppy that symbolized his dead wife. That's it. So revenge. That's pretty simple. He's pretty straightforward. It's not too crazy. Can you have do you think you can have multiple goals? I think you can have, uh, yeah, I think you can have multiple goals. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of a story that would have that, but I think you can have multiple goals. It might get a little confusing for the reader because then you're like, well, what are they actually doing? Or maybe one goal that has multiple motivations. I think that might be where I'm getting a little wonky on mine. Well, that also, I mean, you could, but uh, then again, you, you start maybe potentially confusing the reader and like, what's their, I mean, the idea for it, right, is that, I mean, the key for having good motivation is like, that's drives kind of character development and their growth throughout the story, right? So if you have multiple motivations yeah. that, you know, wh where are they going? How are they changing? But where you end? start with your character, right, in the beginning, their initial goals and initial motivations could potentially change because they are kind of a broken version of themselves. They haven't kind of gone through that metamorphosis yet where they like, they're not yeah. getting what they need. They're not doing what they should be. They're, they're kind of making their story worse until yeah. they're on that track. Yeah. I think you, I mean, you could probably mix and match things. I mean, there's mix and match like your motivation versus like maybe the wrong goal. And then the goal shifts, you know, as you get halfway through the story and like the character realizes that uh, maybe my motivation or what I thought I wanted uh, is, is changing based on what I think I needed. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I mean, it might be a little murky water because then you, you like, do you, do you start confusing the reader unless it's pretty clear right. transition, right? From, from one motivation to another. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I am because I think one of my character motivations early on for my main is like living a life of like authenticity and perhaps like individuality. But the real goal is like a companionship, family acceptance goal. At the uh, end, like, I mean, you mean motivation is to have. Yeah. I mean, motivation. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess the other the other key for the motivation is it's 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 kind of key for conflict too. So if you're changing those throughout, does that come natural? You know, so mm -hmm. like that does that change? And maybe their motivation through midway through the story is that the conflict now all of a sudden makes sense. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I I was looking through all my characters for this, and I went through like the four main characters. I guess my two mains and my kind of two supporting characters are there. I don't think I initially did this. 
And like my main character, Elliot, he had, he had nothing like he had a goal, like, Oh, seek the truth. Right. Um, about this, this mysterious signal. Right. That's okay. That's a pretty straightforward goal. But I was like, Oh, he has no motivation. And that's why like the first mm-hmm. couple of drafts of him was just so boring and just a stick figure. And we've talked about that. Um, yep. and it wasn't until like, like the fourth or fifth draft where I found his motivation and that was with his, his father, like having that closure with his, you know, his father who's passed away and that final connection. Right. And mm-hmm. completing something his father had started. Uh, and I was like, ah, there we go. That's it. Now that's his motivation. And then that kind of influences all his decisions he's going to make towards like solving this problem. Yeah. Um, that's what I was like. It was like, Oh, light bulb storytelling light bulb went off, you know? So, um, before you put pen to pad, did you have goals and motivations for all your characters pre-planned? No. Which is not a good idea, which I'm going to, is going to save me a lot of time and effort, I think, uh, especially in the revision process and even just the first draft. So Elliot, I did not, he had a goal and that was it. And I mm-hmm. had no real motivation for him. So he, like I said, it was just like this flat character, which sometimes fine, as long as there were other characters around him have some type of motivation and going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lilo, of course, she was the only one I had the most flushed out, <laughs> which everyone realized. And like, I had goals for her. I had motivations for her. Um, mm-hmm. and it's interesting for her in, in host as it relates to host is going to be different to, for her motivations and goals and like her next two books, which are going to be kind of a, kind of like a arc, um, with host in the middle, like, you know, in this, it was like very clear, like, yeah, she's just trying to figure out who's following her and who's leveraging her to do these, these, you know, create this. Doesn't she have a bit of a revenge subplot? Um, no? no, no, not, not, okay. not in this. Um, not here. This is her motivation is is to survive. Like that's what okay. that's her motivation. But I'm going to expand on that, and obviously it's going to change for her other stories, like what she's actually doing. But yeah, I mean, she was the only one I had. Like, I know what she, I know what she's her motivation is, and it drives all of her decision making. To drives mm-hmm. every everything she's doing, um, even if it's like the wrong decision, but she knows she needs to do it. It's like, oh, this yeah. this just feels natural, which is I think important because readers can connect with the motivation. It justifies the reasoning. And behind like characters' behavior and like their action in a particular scene, where like her every decision she makes in every scene, I just drove it back to the motivation. Which uh, yeah, it just makes for like a more believable like story and things moving along. So how did you how did you start out? Did you have any goals and motivations like kind of outlined before you started? I know you're kind of going through like a quite a revamp on a lot of characters, but did you have some sense? I- I did kind of based on, you know, you had sent me that kind of organizing structure of the, that snow was it the snowflake method. And yeah. I believe that had like uh, one of the bullets, you know, on that, that tool was characters and character motivation. Yeah. So I had them set up for most of my characters, but I'll say like, as I was finding the story and that's a problem, right? Like I, I outlined through like broad tent poles, but there's a lot of moments where I was steering my characters and and to get them to these different moments that I had outlined, I think they behave or behaved in a way that wasn't in line with the initial motivation that I'd Mm, set up. Yeah. And beta readers, I think kind of came across that. And I I heard from three beta readers, they were like, this is cool. I like it, but you know, look at the character motivations for these two people in in particular. And it was my main and one of my antagonists actually. And for me, I was like, oh, well, (laughs) It's murky and obviously it can't be. It shouldn't be murky. You know, I think it's okay for them to have doubt, but there should be something for the reader to kind of latch on to. So right now during this editing process, I'm doing my best to refine these motivations because they do change. Like I said it before, like my character in the beginning is, is very different from my character at the end. So I'd say that 
Their initial goals in Act One are very different from their goals in Act Three, but they're but they're certainly connected. Yeah, right? like there. But did their their motivation was always the same. But them, but them as a character, like their flaw is what's changed, right? So it's not necessarily that their motivation changed. Like I, right. like I'm, I'm backpedaling on our, our on the opening conversation we had. So it's like their motivation might be like might yeah. be you know your main character might want to just be accepted into the world and have a family or maybe not realize that right but that's yep. you know that's kind of like in the start and then yeah you know her flaw might be the way she's treating her family or Going friends about it right yep that's so. exactly what it was right yeah. so but you're right the motivation itself is the same yeah but the way that she's going about like her goals change like how yeah. she's going to get there changes you know like she's trying to satisfy that that need in in the wrong ways really until the end yeah but you know as i kind of scroll through like you know and, and i'm sure you'll share this you know on the feed but you you shared this kind of bulleted list or this big list of of different types of character motivations on on mm-hmm. one of the um i think it was from one stop writers as i'm looking at this this like huge list of all these different goals yeah. or all the, i'm sorry all these different motivations i think i could probably like checkbox this like a sushi menu like i do feel like <laughs> yeah <laughs> she sometimes hits multiple iterations of these of these goals so that's probably wrong right i should, it probably needs to be refined a little further yeah i think like having the single motivation is is what's i think that's key for people getting pulled in and then having multiple goals or having those goals change to recognize, you know, how they're reflect their flaw, right? I've got like what is essentially like a giant kind of creature featurey type story. Yep. And the character's motivation is, you know, kind of acceptance and, you know, companionship. Mm-hmm. But inside of this creature features type story, another one of their motivations is survival, yep. right? Like it's not just survival. And to me, that would be a boring story. Yeah. But I think that it could be like, I think a sub motivation to the big one, right? Like they need to survive in order to get to the bigger goal that yeah. they're kind of pushing towards. And it's super common, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, the companionship one is like, I mean, I bet you could probably say the same thing about like Goonies where there's like these sub goals and there's our overarching goals. Yep. Absolutely. I'm sorry, not goals, motivation. I would even say my character Lila, like she's, she has a, her motivation is to just survive, but I think it's also trying to trust people, like open up to people mm-hmm. and trust, but she can't, right? But her, her, her surviving is her not trusting people. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of, they kind of meld together in a way, right? Where it's like, like they, they're tied, they're kind of hand to hand, I would say. Um, so I guess that's where you can kind of mash them together. And, you know, if, yeah. they, if they if they kind of connect in that way, then people can kind of understand like all the decisions that that character would be making and maybe why they're why they're tied. So. And then I really refined one of my kind of antagonists motivations like a ton. Mm. And that was what I'd heard before, too, is that like his motivations. And I think it's because I was finding the character as I was going and I didn't want them to be all one thing. I wanted there to be some kind of empathy with this character. Yep. Uh, but I've gone back and just kind of refined it into this like power leadership mm-hmm. kind of goal so yep. like what they do is always informed by that like yeah. their motivation is to continue to gain more power to you know have more sway have more influence yeah and um i still wanted to maintain some nuance in that character so they weren't despicable but i did need to really hone in and kind of make that a thread and now i do feel pretty strongly that it, it's a thread from the beginning yeah. all the way to the end same thing with judy i feel like that's becoming much more honed. It, it feels like a guitar string and sometimes it wavers, but it's always, you know, connected at the end. I think it's kind of interesting because I'm, I, I'm thinking about another character. I have um, uh, 
the FBI agent, Agent Blackwell. Might. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of, I didn't, really, again, he was another one I didn't, I kind of, he was very two-dimensional, I think, to start. And I kind of gave him a little more weight later on. But early drafts, you know, some people have said, oh, I liked how neutral he is. And I'm like, oh, I didn't really mean that. I mean, I kind of, <laughs> like, I kind of meant yeah. that, but not really. I didn't, I didn't, I meant for that to happen, but I didn't put a lot of thought into making it happen. Um, you wanted, wasn't your impetus for doing that to like keep the reader guessing about where yes. their allegiances lied? Yes. So, it's, yeah, and that's interesting because like uh, his motivation, I think, I mean, at the end, it kind of, it, his actual motivation, I think at the end changes, um, mm. then it changes his character. So uh, there's a lot of things that are, 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 that are connected there, but that just sets him up as, okay, he's got maybe another story where he's going off and now he's got a new view of the world. Um, yeah. not to give spoilers, but it's, it's the journey to get there, you know, um, <laughs> you know, and his, his motivation, like really was, you know, he's former military guy and he's kind of by the book and he's a, you know, a boy scout and he's, you know, his motivation is, is his quote unquote duty to the, you know, to country and protect it. Right. And I think his, his motivation and his core gets shook um, by the end of the story. And that's what kind of changes maybe his goals and like, and shifts his motivation to maybe color outside the lines a little bit, <laughs> mm-hmm. so to speak. So that's kind of, it was kind of fun to write. And I, there's another thing I like early on, which I'm now excited because I started outlining characters for the next, you know, a couple of books I'm just toying around with. And um, I think one of the important things is that we, you and I have probably both learned is making sure that your antagonist has like a flushed out worldview and motivations and goals of their own. Um, mm. I definitely struggled with that in this first book. And now I'm like excited to write an antagonist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think it's kind of a key thing too, is making sure everyone has a motivation, uh, no matter how, how unlikable the character are, right? I'm on this resource now and it's, um, I think it's kind of echoing a little bit of of what I'm feeling about multiple motivations and not that they should have, not that your character should have a ton of motivations, but this resource, it's like jerryjenkins.com is breaking it up between internal motivations. So that's like the power revenge one and then external motivations yeah. like, you know, survival, you know, competition. And then on one of the bullets, you know, they're saying it's okay to mix and match internal and external like it makes it a little more nuanced mm. so maybe you shouldn't have two internal and you shouldn't have two, two. external yeah, yeah but you but could have like... an internal and an external just to make sure that it's yeah nuanced you know as life is kind of is life is complicated and right. that might be what i'm feeling a little bit is that I'm, i have i mean i'm writing about a teenager so in my brain at least when i was a teenager yeah it was this swirling mess and I know that's not fun to read, yeah, but yeah. in real life, being a teenager is really complicated. And, you know, you are pulled in a lot of different directions and your motivations kind of move because you're trying to self-actualize in a way that your brain just isn't, no offense to any teenager listening, but yeah, your brain's right. not ready to do it until you're in your, like your <laughs> mid twenties. Like it's a safe life. You're detail. just in this formative stage of life. So I want to be careful, you know, not to make my character feel like a 40 year old. But now it's like, of course, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, actually, outside of Elliot, he's only got one motivation. No, I think Elliot's but... got an internal and external. I think the internal one is the father yep. relationship. Yeah. Because that is not his external motivation. No, no, he no. He never no. talks about it. No, 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 no. That's definitely his internal. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's a focus. Like, that's the main one. If there's an if there's another one, which sure. Uh, I mean, what do you think it is? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with like large scale cyber type attacks mm-hmm. so they're the threat is big so there is 
Yeah. He's not leading. It could, it's not necessarily survival. No, I mean, it could be uh, something along the lines of like, um, in a weird way, help save, save, not save people, but like. He's... Oh, you know what he has? A little bit. Yeah. What do you got? He's got a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> For his story. For his story. <laughs> but that is an external motivation. It's teed up in the first act. It's at least what sets him on the path initially. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that does change as he once. I'm going to write a paper to... about your book. Yeah, do it. That's the other thing, right? Is I don't it's think great. authors necessarily need to. I don't think they ever do. Yeah. Like they'll say things like, "Well, what do you think it is?" You yeah. know, <laughs> because they don't want to limit the reader's interpretation of their piece. It's why artists never talk about like what their painting means. It's like no. you got to once again we talk about art being collaborative and yeah, yeah. It, it's really boring if the artist comes in and says it's about this the end yeah i mean it's funny because you said that because it's like yeah i didn't even think about that i didn't even think like I, I put that in there i mean of <laughs> course that's just a thing that well this is what he does you know it's kind of like a i guess it's not really cool no it, you're right it is a motivation and like i was like the, to me the most i guess it's because the one i was focused on was his relationship with his father and finding that and his obsession yeah like that was the thing because that was the heart of the story that I needed. But you don't drop it. You continue. Like there's check-ins from his editor. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. How is this coming along? You know, yeah. so well, it's, it's also, I don't will... think it's like nobody's going to be like, oh my God, when's he going to get this <laughs> article done? But it does set him on this path of self-discovery and gets him on this path of connecting like with the memory of his father and his childhood. And It's also to me that I think this is the line where motivation and plot kind of ties because uh, from, honestly, that whole thing to me was less motivation and more about just allowing this character to be in the areas and do the things he's doing. Mm. Right. So, you know, he's, he's a, you know, he's a, so it's uh, like a vehicle. Yeah. Like, to getting him to, into, yeah. Into having him tied to his goal, which is like, he just, his goal is like to find a truth about this signal, but um, you know, that's what he wants, you know, once he, once yeah. he goes down this path. Uh, and I think the, having him in this, this position as a journalist for, you know, science magazine and, you know, uh, that kind of allows him to, to kind of go on this investigation, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that you, yeah, I mean, but you're not wrong. Like, I guess that that is a motivation for him is to, he's got I, a deadline. I mean, thinking about mine, like in, in act one, my character's goal, yeah. what they think is going to make their life. Yeah. And I can relate to this is I'm going to get into the city and I'm going to go see a punk show. Yeah. Like, because this night is the night and this is going to, this is <laughs> it. You know, the there's, there's no tomorrow. It's this very naive, childish thing that like, I will have catharsis and this kind of, you know, cathedral, you know, this mass type thing. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about tomorrow because I'm a kid. I'm thinking about this experience right now. And obviously that's not what they need. And that is not the goal for the whole story, but that is what gets them moving into yep. the story. Yeah. Um, that's like her deadline. Like, are we going to go see this show? Is, uh, you know, is tonight going to be the night, the yeah. best night ever? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, there's always tomorrow when it sucks. You know, you're hungover and, then there's the like harsh reality of like what did what happened the night before? Oh no! <laughs> so it's funny. I'm like I'm looking at this. I was when I was doing some research, pulling up this uh, dabblewriter.com, which I'll we'll share in the notes, whatever. And it's like, uh, you know, you know, they have this great little write up about like how to build multi dimensional character motivations, right? So you have the right motivation and wrong goal, same motivation, conflicting goals, and then shifting motivations. So hmm. you shouldn't just have a single one, or you don't have to. You or you could. You can, you know. You but you should probably have an overarching one that you, the author, knows. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'll just say there should be some planning. Like the reason why I had multiple, I think, was because of a lack of planning, yeah. not because of a, my nuanced brain or anything. Yeah. It was like, 
I was weaving characters and I was having them do things to make sure they got to the next event yep. before they got to the next action scene or horror scene or claustrophobic scene. Yeah. And how I got them there was in contrast to what their overarching kind of motivation was. And that's what I'm refining now. So, I, I mean, there still should be planning, yeah. but I think it can yeah. be nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's writing. So yeah, it's funny. Cause like all of mine, like <laughs> now thinking about all the other characters here too, like Lyle definitely has multiple now I'm thinking about it, but like I, for each one, I just had one in mind. Like that was like the yeah. overpowering one. But I think that's why reading is fun, right? It is not just one note. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if it yeah. is, it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's true. Like, like the last book that I threw across the room in anger, and I won't share what it was because Host by anybody Basso. who finished the book. <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it was uh, starts with a R and ends with a, a Paso. In a Paso. Um, there was one, it was like, it was trying to be edgy, you know, and it was like, it just reminded me of something. My, my first attempt at a book that I, I tried to write when I was in my 20s, mm. it reminded me of that, yeah. where it was like needlessly edgy and needlessly violent. The character's motivation and goal was so one note mm. that it was just like tepid. Yeah. And I kept waiting for something. I was like, oh, maybe they're building towards like a twist or reveal or something. And it was yeah, just yeah. so flat and so boring. So that's all to say that having nuanced characters is good as long as you plan. This should be good for you, right? Because you're like on the cusp of teeing up another book. This is great for me because yeah, now this... the host is out and you can <laughs> order that on Amazon.com <laughs> or Barnes and Noble. Or wherever you'd like. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is great because uh, I'm, I'm, my brain is now getting back into this. Clearly, it's a little rusty on it. So I need to get back into it and it's good. Um, now I'm thinking about all the characters I have. And yeah, like I said, I'm just excited to kind of breathe some more life into some of my antagonists. And I have some, again, I really like playing with those. I like playing with those neutral characters, you know, and having them turn or have them be good and like having that pull. So, you know, what's coming to mind right now. And, I, and if I talk about him too much, I'm sorry, but I watch a whole bunch of like interviews with Tarantino sometimes just mm -hmm. like, just to see because like, I kind of respect him as a writer. He'd mentioned Reservoir Dogs when he was filming or writing it. You know, I forget who it was that he was like, did you do the subtext work on Reservoir Dogs? And he was like, oh, I don't think I did the subtext work on that. And then yeah. Through like examining his own script, he realized that, oh, you know, yeah, it's about, you know, these bank robbers and a heist gone wrong. But beneath the surface, it really is like a father-son story between Tim Roth's character and yeah. Harvey Keitel. Yeah, yeah. And then he got to the, he's like, so it's nice to know that I had some subtext going on and some kind of intrinsic internal motivations, but I never want to do that again. He was like, <laughs> it's nice to know that I have that going on in my writing, but he doesn't want to intentionally put it there. And he was like, I think that is for the audience to discover and uncover. Mm. And yes, it was kind of reaffirming that I have that going on, but he doesn't want to operate on that level, which yeah. is really interesting, right? I, I mean, yeah. I feel like I operate on that level maybe to a fault. Like, can you just tell a story with just the external motivation and then hope <laughs> that characters get or that your readers get different internal motivations from your characters kind of like yeah you, i guess you don't have to necessarily like plot those things out and you can you can infer what the what they are between the the actions and the scenes between the characters right um because like, there's only so many configurations and our like yeah. story as humans is so rote no offense mm -hmm. but yeah. like we all yeah. have similar touch points you know we're all going to interpret things you know through our own life lens and now like our own experiences but the overarching stories of our lives are familial 
you know, work, money, power, sickness. I'm excited to get to work. So would you, uh, what have you been reading, watching? So I, I picked up this really interesting book. It's called Host by Ross Capasso. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> oh my you son of a This is a volleyball match of, of shilling. <laughs> yeah. Um, Listen, listener, no, you're right. I start reading your book again, man. Um, it, I'll tell you what, it is so much stronger than the beta I read. Thank you. You have done so much like work on it. It's got such a sense of place and thanks, man. Th- that was not present um, in the beta, and I still yeah. thought the beta was good. I, d- I just feel like your writing has just really improved significantly through this entire process. So kudos. Um, anything in particular that stood out to you that changed? I think the whole opening was new, right? Whole opening's new. Like yeah, so like your prologue. I guess it's your chapter one, but it feels like yeah. a prologue. Yep, um, that's completely new, and that kind of time jump. And then really like what's standing out now, and I'm not far in, right? I'm only like 40 pages in it, but just, it has so much more of a sense of place than it did before. You've added a lot of like descriptive details yeah. um, through kind of Elliot's POV yep. that feel like I, you feel like you're going through, you know, the old magazines and, you know, yeah. these boxes. It was just really, it was nice. It didn't nice. feel like this amorphous character floating through an amorphous space. It, yeah. it captures a moment like this nice kind of Polaroid. So. Awesome. Kudos. Thanks, man. I appreciate um, that. I also opened up White Noise again. Yep. You know, like when I was in my 20s, it was one of my favorite books and I like haven't read it in a long time. And um, geez, it's good. You yeah. know, it's like this kind of, it's by Delilo. It's like this postmodern story about a, a professor mm-hmm. and his family. And it's, I, I do think a lot of my writing, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm not like the wordsmith that Delilo is, but I do think a lot of my writing influenced by him he Mm -hmm. has such this like critique Mm -hmm. about like consumerism and like american ideals and you know happiness and when i look at the first act of my book i'm like was i trying to do this like was i subconsciously (laughs) trying to to do this yeah um now i haven't read the book and geez since i was like 19 or 20 so it's it's been a lot of years but back then i'd read it a couple times but yeah just a just a really good book and as far as watching, uh, did the Oppenheimer, saw it in 70 millimeter, traveled a little extra far to see it on film. Great movie, Which was too a mistake. Long. That's uh, disappointing because, I mean, my my viewing was was good. It was nice. Yeah. It was, it was loud. I, mean, I say it wasn't a mistake because of the movie. I think the movie was phenomenal. And yeah. I think it's wonderful that Nolan shot it on, on film. It's just yeah. that the AMC that I went to, the, the print was scratched really badly. Really? Like it wasn't just like one mark. There was like six different black lines that were through Jesus. all of it. And eventually, you know, my brain learned to ignore it. But then my brain got a, a reminder maybe about every 30 or 40 minutes. And I don't uh-huh. know enough about uh, film to know whether it was real change happening or if it was all in one film. But whatever uh-huh. was happening, about every 30 to 45 minutes, the sound would drop out abruptly for about three to five seconds. Really? And the whole audience would go, oh. Really? That's bad. And then That's really bad. of disbelief gone. And then all of a sudden I'm noticing the scratches again because oh, I'm back no. in the medium. I'm back so, in the real world. <laughs> as much as I love that Nolan shot on film, I just don't feel like, at least the theaters that I went to, the theater that I went to, they're not ready to screen film. Yeah. Still, like they're, it, it's not, there's not enough care being taken. I don't think there's anybody in the booth. I think it was automated. It's just easier for them to, you know, turn on a scheduled computer and project digital. Because I think if I had gone to like 
an IMAX digital presentation of Oppenheimer, I wouldn't have had any of those complaints, which sucks because I was really excited to go see this on film. It's been forever since yeah. I've seen a movie projected on film, but still a great movie. Agreed. Highly I love that they, um, he had to make, I believe, because he was shot some of it on 70 mil and he shot some of it on 70 millimeter IMAX. Hmm. And I think he shot some of it on 70 millimeter IMAX black and white, which is a film stock that's never existed before. <laughs> really? So they had to like make, make this for... film stock, <laughs> which is like so cool uh, yeah, that's to me, really awesome. like so interesting. Yeah. That's what you get when you're Christopher Nolan, I guess. <laughs> that's what you get. How about you? What are you, what are you reading? What are you watching? I don't think I finished anything since the last time. Uh, I'm still, I was still working through this book, um, Shards of Honor. I'll probably finish it today. Lois McMaster Bejold. It's, it's a fun, like space sci-fi thing from the eighties. I'm enjoying it. Um, uh, but that's it for the reading side. I haven't, haven't really read much else watching. I think I saw a movie the other day here at home and I don't remember what it was. So it probably wasn't that good. Um, oh, no. yeah. Or maybe it was a movie for the other podcast. I don't know. So it was really bad. I don't remember. Well, that's intentional because you're intentionally <laughs> watching bad movies. But then, well, then I looked at my calendar. I was like, because I'm a calendar person. You know me. I'm spreadsheets and calendars, right? And I was like, I usually like block off time. So like, just don't bother me. I'm going to watch a movie or something or whatever. I'm just going to do this thing. And I, or just so I can also remember that I watched it. But um, uh, I've actually realized I was playing video games all week. <laughs> oh, really? Well, what are you playing? <laughs> it's kind of nice. I haven't played video games in so long. I restarted Fallout 4. <laughs> oh nice yeah that's the boston one right yeah yeah i had i'd gotten i had only gotten through it like maybe a third of the way through it maybe or it's a good game yeah on playstation 4 and then i i picked it up on pc and i've just been playing on a laptop for like the last couple nights uh which has been a lot of fun cruising on that i remember um playing that and trying to go to where Somerville, where my house would be. Yeah, it's not. And it's, it's just an empty is... <laughs> field with a bunch of giant scorpions. Yeah, and the map of like Boston to Concord <laughs> and Arlington are like so crammed close together. Oh, yeah. It's just like, eh, you can't walk from Concord to, I mean, you could, but it's yeah. going to take you a long time. A little longer, yeah. That's, um, a, yeah. that's a good game. But uh, that, and I've been playing this um, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. It's a Metroidvania. Oh, you really? You're, you've been playing, that's uh, like a kind of Metroidvania type yeah, of? Yeah, side-scroller. It's, it's fun. Side-scroller? It's a, yeah, it's a fun, fun one. I'm enjoying that. So, um, but yeah, that's been it. Kind of just took it easy last week. I've been, two weeks, I've been, you know, I don't know, launching a book, Tim. I don't know if you heard, but. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You launched a book? <laughs> that's it. We're done shilling it. I can't, I, we have so many copies in the house, dude. I got two behind me. <laughs> so when you bought three of them, when we're you're handing like, them out like candy down here. When you're like work zooms, they're just in the background. <laughs> they are. They're literally, can you see them? <laughs> yep. I can see one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hardcover. I'm going to bring uh, that up to get it signed. That's awesome. That's awesome. I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're enjoying it on the new final, final read through. So final now nah, I'll read this again. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice quick beach read, you know? So, um, all right, I think that's it, right? Are we done here? We're wrapping this up? I think we're done. What do we All got right. next? Uh, what are we doing next? We're doing... Um, Writer's block, I think. Yeah, which hopefully I won't be in by the time we, we start that episode. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think, well, we've gone through it, so... Yeah, yeah, we both I'm have. sure there's varying degrees, but hopefully we can provide some some tools and tips to, to yeah. get through it. I think I, I mean, drink a lot, you know, that's it. Just <laughs> water, of water. on through. Drink, drink a lot of water. water. Drink, hydrate. Hydrate. <laughs> I, I would like to cue that that conversation up a bit. I think I ran into, and I'm going to think about this going going back to writing hosts and everything on that over the last couple of years. I think I ran into writer's block more during the revision process. And I think that's because I didn't know what I was doing. 
Interesting. I think because I, I remember writing the first draft and I was just cranking. I got that done. Well, I was like, first person, right? So yeah, it was it wasn't good, but I I did do it. It started at middle yeah. and end, but um, yeah, it was a revision process that went downhill. But yeah, I, I can identify with that. We can talk about it next week, but yeah. similarly, where I just kind of like barfed out a first draft. Yeah. And then I was like, none of this makes sense. <laughs> just gotta, it's like, gotta fix this. All right, so that's our episode. Um, if you enjoyed the episode and you know someone who would too, you should let them know. You can follow us on Instagram at Writer Syndrome Books. We're on, I'm not calling it X, we're on Twitter at Writer, score, writer underscore Syndrome. I, refu- I, re- I, re- I refuse to call it X. It's so stupid. Oh my um, God, so lame. Are we on uh, the other one, Threads yet? We're on the Threads, but I mean, since it's a different it's animal, just, we don't have much on there. Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably the way to go, but you're going to find all our episodes and contact info. If you have any ideas or feedback, topic ideas, or if you're an author out there and you want to chat with us, hit us up. Yeah. Always looking for authors to talk about what you're working on, what you published. Yeah. So hit us up. We'd love to have you on. Absolutely. Uh, you can find all that at writersyndrome.com. 